Welcome to Tech Leaders Hub, where we interview technical managers to ask them about their winning strategies, lessons learned, and actionable advice for other leaders. I'm your host, Jakub Greitzar. Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to Tech Leaders Hub. So good to have you today. How are you all doing? My guest today is Jason Noble, co-founder at CTO Academy. Jason, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. Thanks very much for inviting me onto this uh, onto this call. Absolutely, no problem. And very happy to have you here today. Very excited about the show today. We're going to be talking about something fairly universal for Tech Leaders Hub, the top challenges of high-level tech executives. And I'm really keen to dig into that. Jason, I wanted to ask you, given the topic of our presentation, who do you hope is tuning in today? Who do you think will benefit the most from our conversation? I imagine, you know, high-level tech executives, it's right in the title, but in what kind of situation do you think this will be especially useful? Uh, I think it applies to anybody who who aspires to become a technical leader or already is a technical leader. You know, when we founded CTO Academy, we were targeting a very small niche. We were targeting sort of CTO minus two, you know, good developers that were maybe a team leader and hoping to aspire to become a CTO. What we found is the fact that everybody who doesn't matter whether they're first starting out in their career or you know a very experienced CTO, they're all interested in improving their, their skills. So I'm hoping that we have a cross-section of lots of different people. Okay, yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. And you know, usually when we run these sessions, we pick a topic, we pick pick a target audience for the content that we have to present. And then a lot of the time during the session, I find myself thinking to myself, this is actually pretty broadly applicable. More than just tech leaders can benefit from this and more than just the top executives can actually take something from this for themselves. And looking at the three challenges of tech leaders that we're going to actually, the top three challenges that we're actually going to unveil over the course of this session, I think they are quite, quite broadly applicable. So stay tuned for that. Um, before we get into a little bit about your background, because obviously the watchers and listeners are curious about that and the main topic for today, I wanted to ask you the traditional tech leaders of questions. A lot of podcasts and live streams take ages to get to the point, and I want to start delivering value from the very start. So, Jason, what is your number one tip for tech leaders? So I think my number one tip would be to stay grounded. I think it's, you know, if I take my own career, which was a developer, a computer scientist, and I made my way up to become a CTO, it was always understanding that technology is changing and that as you become more uh, into leadership roles, you have less uh, chance to be at the coalface, less understanding of being able to work with the technology, which means that you have to rely on the people around you who really do understand that technology and believe in them. And therefore, you've got to, you know, you've got to have the humility to understand them, be able to get the information out of them, to be able to use that within the business context. And the only way that you can do that is by being grounded and understanding that technology is always moving and that you don't necessarily have the best uh, solution just because you happen to be the leader. Yeah. I love that tip, obviously. This is something that has come up on Tech Leaders Hub um, quite a few times before. Usually, I like to follow up asking about the practical aspect of it. So, you know, imagine you're on a call with somebody and you actually find yourself kind of missing that technical context. 
I'm meaning, I'm kind of tempted to ask even how do you structure the question so that it's it's not seen and it's not perceived the wrong way. You still keep a measure of authority, but you display that humility. And, you know, is there like a favorite phrase you like to use for that? I think it's, I mean, you won't be using something that's completely brand new, right? So if you take, for example, let's say a database, right? You know, uh -huh. when I was working hands-on with databases, they were relational databases. And, you know, you were trying to optimize them with stored procedures and indexing them and all that sort of stuff. Now, obviously, you don't have to worry quite so much about that now because machines are faster, databases are better optimized automatically. Mm -hmm. But you are coming from a point, you have got that foundation skills and you can use that within the conversation to say, okay, so how do we move it on from there? This is what I understand the problem to being. This is the outcome we would like to do. How do you think we're going to solve that? From a technical point of view and if i mm -hmm. take an example of a, a project i was running a couple of years ago we the project sort of had grounded i'd been brought in to try and get this project moving and it was a live product and it was using um service it was a service application and it was just a pipeline of data moving through and the problem was that the business were frustrated because nothing was moving forward in terms of mm -hmm. new so they couldn't sell anything new and the entire development team was frustrated because they were just spending their entire time keeping this pipeline up and when you looked at it you just turned around and said well pipeline was designed for this volume of data and now we've got significantly 10 times more data and it meant that we had to relook at the entire architectural solution and so the way that i handled that was like there's no way i could work out you know the exact solution but I did narrow the field down and then I got the team to look in individually at the different solutions. And ultimately they came back with one of the solutions that I'd put onto the table, but they had done the, the deep, the technical deep dive to prove that it would work for us. So it's, it's using your skills without necessarily having to understand the details, but knowing enough with your experience to guide your team to be able to come up with the solutions necessary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what I caught from what you were taught and what you were saying is you you talk about the outcome and you really care about kind of identifying the outcome and naming the outcome for the team. But then when it comes to the how, you kind of turn to the team to ask them. Okay, from the the key part that I that I caught was like from a te technical point of view, how do we get there? That feels like something that can be kind of easily used in conversation if somebody wants something practical to apply. Yeah, because it's. Put it a different way you know there's a lots of different ways to solve a problem but you need to understand what the outcome is and you know you could use a different technologies to produce you know a website for example right uh, mm -hmm. a mobile phone application you can use lots of different technologies but ultimately will the users use it is it going to work you know and yeah. that's the outcome that really you want to be concentrating on yeah definitely and i think it's one of the important functions of the leader to keep the team concentrated on the outcome. From what I've heard from, you know, from this show, for example, that comes up a lot. Anyway, thank you for answering the number one question. And now what we've got lined up for today are the top three challenges for high-level tech executives, if anybody's kind of joining in the middle of this and asking what's up. Uh, before we get to that, though, Jason, I wanted to ask a little bit about you. Obviously, right now you're you know working on CTO Academy. 
And how did you get there? You know, how, what do you think happened along the way that was especially important to you getting where you are right now? And tell us a little bit more about CTO Academy before we move on. Sure. So, well, they're, they're interlinked, surprisingly enough. Um, so, you know, my background was a computer scientist. I graduated uh, here in the UK from Cambridge back in the days when people didn't really do computer science, if I'm brutally honest. Um, I fell in love with computers at a really young age when, you know, they were just starting mm-hmm. out. I was a qualified engineer by the time I was a network engineer by the time I was 16. And I, wow. I knew that that was what I was going to do, you know. Um, and I just loved being in the code, building systems, being part of a team. And I worked in very large enterprises. I worked uh, in Europe, conglomerating the airspace over Europe. I worked for the Channel Tunnel Rail Link here in the UK. And I did online banking in Australia, one of the first online banking websites in Australia. And then you sort of get to the age where you know, you need to branch out. You need to start leading the teams. And so that's what I started doing. And I set up a business here in the UK with a couple of people, which was about um, sorting out the rotors for like the NHS staff, particularly the doctors and the senior doctors here in the UK. Mm-hmm. And it was that classic situation where somebody turned around to me and said, it's not possible to solve this problem. And that's like a red rag to a bull for me because it's like, I'm sure this problem could solve them. <laughs> and I concentrated, so I was the technologist in that business, concentrated on that. But I had to obviously build up a team around it. And I didn't do a particularly good job of it because nobody had ever taught me, to be brutally honest. And, you know, I was so used to solving technical problems. If people couldn't keep up with me, then, you know, that was their problem, not my problem. And um, I went through several iterations of, of teams and people, so to speak, but ultimately learned how to do it. And I exited that business and I started getting involved in fundraising and doing due diligence for companies with CEOs coming to me and saying, you know, there's a problem with the technology in our business. And you go in, you'd have a look and you'd find out 99% of the time there wasn't a problem with the technology. The problem was the communication between the CTO and the CEO. And it was trying to to work out how to improve the communication for the CTO. How could he get his ideas across to the CEO? Because his ideas would, or her ideas weren't generally wrong. And I was, it twigged an idea. It was like, okay, I've got this experience. How do we bottle this up and help people? But obviously being an introverted technologist, there was no way I was going to do that on my own. And I carried on with various other businesses, which were, you know, some good, some bad. And then a couple of years ago, uh, a project I'd worked on a project with Andrew, my co-founder here at CTO Academy. And he's the opposite of me. He's gregarious. He's outgoing. He's typical CEO, likes the shiny things, and is into marketing and business plans, got his own MBA. And we sat down, wanted to do a business with each other. And I mentioned CTA Academy as one of those ideas. Mm-hmm. And he, having been the CEO of, of startups and technical startups, knew the problem from the other side. And so therefore, we, he went away, did his analysis of the market. And we came back and we said, okay, well, let's, let's give this a shot. And so we wanted to build up. If you put it in a different way, 
if, if you're into technology, you can find any information about a language, a framework, how to run an agile mm-hmm. project. But there's nothing really much above that. If you want to learn how to be a technical leader, there's not a lot of it. There's a lot of leadership courses out there, but they're not specific to technologists. And Mm -hmm. technologists generally work in quite isolation in businesses because they're given the business requirements and they build the software. They have some interaction, but they're not involved in the day-to-day running of the business. They're not involved in the finances or the sales process. And then suddenly you become a technical leader and you're involved with all of this stuff and don't necessarily understand what it's about. And so that's the problem we're trying to solve. So we don't deal with the technology per se, but we deal with the technology leadership and how that can be, how that can work for everybody and make it better. And my personal goal is to make sure that there is a CTO on every board of every company around the world, because every business, as far as I'm concerned, is now a technology business. Okay, I see. Wow, that's really inspiring. And, you know, it's... So it's always great to have this kind of vision that that really gets you going, right? And that that is certainly one of those. What I find especially interesting, this is not even a question, but just a, just a comment, that, that you and Andrew kind of sat down together knowing that you want to work on something, you just have to find the thing, you know? So that, that means you really felt like this this match between yourself. That's Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think there was, I think I had four ideas and Andrew had five. Um, oh. And we sat, we sat in a cafe here in London on the Thames for half a day. Um, we'd cycled, both, both of us had cycled to, to the cafe from our respective places. And we literally went through the list methodically, um, knowing that something would hopefully work. Okay, yeah, I understand. Uh, one question about CTO Academy, just out of my own curiosity. The cur- curriculum you have built, um, the way it's delivered, is that like, do you have also like external teachers and mentors, like a roster of them, or is this more delivered? I'm just trying to, to visualize. This is more like a video series of courses for people who might be kind of curious. Yeah, so we have two courses. So we have the foundation course, which was the first course that we created. And that was when I said, you know, the beginning of this was we thought we were CTA minus one, minus two. And that's what that foundation course is for, which is basically an introduction to technology leadership. Uh, mm-hmm. What we found was that people were buying buying that course when they had loads of experience already. And we then realized actually what we need to do was, was up our game. And this is obviously classic startup. We are driven by the market, by customer feedback. And we created mm-hmm. the digital MBA, which is for more senior people. Uh, is obviously more in depth. In terms of how we deliver that content, a lot of it is uh, online content, recorded online content with additional materials, but we also have meetups. Um, So we have um, face-to-face meetups. So in fact, we've got one in London tomorrow. Um, We've got a meetup, but we also do it virtually once a month. So anybody who's on the MBA course, they can meet up virtually uh, around the world. And swap ideas that, that's the purpose of it um, and then we have a slack group for everybody who's a member of cto academy and people put questions and then there's a conversation about it so it's much more interactive it's not a, a passive sort of just consume yeah. type thing yeah definitely and on one of the previous sessions i was talking with um, itai rosenblatt from google and he really emphasized that that you know leaders need to have a support group somebody to bounce ideas off of to talk about specific cases 
and communities are, are great for that. And just on a general note, I really enjoy that, you know, you've got this mission of educating CTOs and like you said, you know, people a level or two below. Uh, and, you know, it's very similar to what we're trying to achieve here at on Tech Leaders Hub. So I feel it, like it all really meshes well together. Anyway, that was a lot of ado, but let's <laughs> maybe try and proceed to the, the topic at hand that we have and start unveiling these three challenges uh, for, for CTOs and similar tech executives. So, well, first of all, before we maybe get to them, how did you identify these three challenges that we're going to talk about? And, you know, you can, you can go ahead and start kind of unveiling them as you go. Yeah, so I think because we spent so much time talking to the market and talking to individuals, so when we were initially um, selling our products, I suppose, we would speak to people, you know, and I think we've spoken to 300, 400 people, one-to-one -one conversations about the wow. challenges that they face. Um, and these are, you know, they're not even five-minute conversations. These can be 45-minute conversations, especially if I'm really, really interested in whatever it is they're doing, then it will just go off. Um, yeah. And, and so these these came out about it. And also, you know, why people buy some of our products is because of this. Um, so, you know, the first one that comes up, which I think is very, very common with, with technical leadership, is this imposter syndrome. You know, it's, and I define it by different ways. The first one, which is what I always suffered from, was there's a better technology around the corner that I don't know about. You know, I'm building something. And actually, it's obsolete. It's already obsolete because there's actually another technology around the corner. That always used to worry me um, as a technical leader running various different projects. You know, somebody could do this better. Um, and then the other flip side of it is 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 walking into a room when you think, you know, what well, I don't know anything. You know, every, I'm sure there are people here that know more than me. Um, yeah. And it is because. I think because we as technologists live in the moment, you know, a lot of our technology is only relevant the last six months or a year. You know, I've been in this game for a very long time now. Right? But in fact, if you think back through what you've done, actually it builds the foundation. So when we were talking about the team and getting them to look at solutions, it's because of your experience that you can guide that. You know, my background, I've got, 30 odd languages and frameworks that I've used commercially, probably only two, three maybe are actually still relevant in, in today's right. uh, things. But the point being is, is those, those frameworks, those languages, they were built on, they weren't thrown away. So the ideas still exist. Um, and I think the, this imposter syndrome that, that we suffer from is, is, healthy because it reminds us that actually there is new stuff coming along so it's not something you want to necessarily get rid of but it's not something you want it to overwhelm you that you can't make yeah. it yeah and you know so when you're talking with you know shorthand let's call it ctos but we do mean tech leaders in general when you talk with them and they say that this is something that is really keeping them up at night it's maybe blocking them from doing their best job that they are overwhelmed is there any particular advice that you share to start addressing that um yeah so i think there's several things one remind them of how they got to where they got to um yeah. you know i think i've only ever spoken to one person who i think had le leapfrogged a little a little too quickly didn't quite have the experience but 
everybody else has been seen. They were there for a reason. You know, you remind them, you say, look at your profile, look at what you've done, look at what you've achieved in your career so far. And then the, the next point is to remind them that, that the rest of the senior leadership team are looking at them for guidance. You know, why, mm -hmm. why is this being done this way? Right. Um, and that they may be covering up their own imposter syndrome. You know that they may be suffering from it as well. Um, mm -hmm. So it's about making sure that you understand. And the other one, you know, I don't have a problem asking the stupid questions, right? If yeah. you don't understand something, ask, because almost certainly somebody else in the room doesn't understand it either. And they're um, going to be thankful that you asked the question, you know, right? Yeah, and they're going to be thankful. And it's happened several times. You know, I you know several times in my career where major things are happening, and I turn around and go, "Hang on." you know what does that mean you know and you suddenly bring that up and then you know then the debate really opens up i'm you know example was a marketing exercise that the company wanted to do and i turned around and said you know this doesn't make sense to me because the type of situation we'll do i understand costs hundreds and thousands of dollars to do and you've got a very small budget you know and that opened it up i could have that conversation another conversation which was more important was how the share structure was going to change in a company. And yeah. you know, anybody who's been involved in shares and how shares are distributed in a company, it can come very complicated very quickly. And nobody else on the board wanted to discuss it. So I just turned around and said, could somebody please explain to me what it is that's being proposed on the on this? Because I can't yeah. vote for it until I understand it. Then it opens up. Um, so being you know, honest with yourself and honest with people around you can actually help and get the conversation moving. I absolutely understand the, you know, asking the stupid questions. It's one of those pieces of advice that I feel like, honestly, I, I hear it a lot. And I do feel like in my heart of hearts, that is true. But it's difficult to remember about it, like on a meeting that actually it's okay to ask these questions when you're really, you know, sometimes you can get a little bit guarded, right? So it's good that we okay. kind of... Yeah, and I think it's 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 not so much the stupid question; it's the foundation, right? It's yeah. the fact is that there is an assumption that everybody is at this level, and you're talking from this point upwards. Yeah, yeah. and it's not necessarily true. You know, the, it takes people; people will be at different levels. And I'll put this in a different context. So I'm, you know, my other career is is I teach sailing. Uh, I'm a chief instructor for for dinghy sailing, right? And I see. Okay, and a lot of the um, a lot of the stuff that you are given as an instructor to teach assumes that your students already understand certain things. So a classic mm -hmm. situation is um, how a sail works. How does a sail make a boat move, right? Yeah. And a lot of the information out there is either too simplistic, wrong, um, and you're treating people that, with the wrong information. So they, they're never going to develop further because, in fact, their foundation is wrong. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, when you're breaking things down as something as complex as sailing, it does mirror back into uh, working in, in industry. And I think that applies to anybody who teaches, whether they're teaching soccer, kids' soccer, or anything. You know, you have to break it down, and exactly the same is necessary back in business. Okay, I understand. So let me confront you with this, with one scenario, fairly simple, but I feel like a lot of people suffering from imposter syndrome. I know, you know, I've had episodes with it in, in the past. 
I suppose the, the thing that I fear the most, and let's talk through the CTO's eyes, let's say you're at a board meeting with the rest of the leadership, you get a question that is related to the technical side, but you actually right on the spot, you don't know the answer to that question. What is a good response to that? Uh, so if you don't know the response, I wouldn't lie. I wouldn't, I wouldn't fluff it. I would say, look, I need to come back to you about that because yeah. you're going to get found out because if you answer it, you don't answer and you answer it in a way that, you know, then it does more questions. You're just digging yourself a hole. Um, oh, of course. You know, so it's that classic, you know, from a sales perspective, it's that's a great question. I'll come back to you about that. You know, that's how you respond in a sales uh, pitch. Yeah. And I, you need to do the same uh, things. To be honest, I've it's never happened to me in that, that sense. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's, I suppose once I had it, but it was, it was, it was more from a good point of view than a bad point of view, which was how much time is spent on reworking uh you know tickets within your production system and i said and i genuinely didn't know and i said as far as i'm aware we don't because i put yeah. in such good uh testing system we you know it just never customers never found bugs in our system it wasn't a particularly complicated system but we went mm -hmm. back i said look i'll report back to you in the next board meeting and it was something like 0.05 percent of of time you know was was spent yeah. on that um it's so it could be a metric that you may not be measuring that may be important for the board that that's happened to me i suppose um but be honest you know um because it's the only way that you'll keep your integrity so one last question before we get to challenge number two you mentioned here that <clears throat> the worry is that there's always a better technology around the corner and I do wonder, because what I'm kind of reading between the lines, and you know, maybe you'll correct me, but how important is it actually to be building using the best technology? Is it something that what, what kind of the picture that I'm building is that sometimes CTOs are worried that you know there's a there's a newer technology, uh, you know, a better, more efficient way to do it, and we've already committed to a different way, and that puts us in trouble. But is it the case that actually it's better to just do what you're already doing? bought better or is it actually really important to just stay with the technology as it, as it moves i'm trying to kind of get a grasp on that uh so let me give you an example of uh where i've seen it where it is has been a problem so uh it was about 10 years ago now and i was doing various consultancy works and through contacts uh, a cto said can you just come in and have a look at this project and it was a large construction firm and mm -hmm. he outlined to me, it was an Oracle system. And he said, look, we've hired this consultancy. They just keep charging us hour by the hour. We haven't really received anything. None of the customers, none of our, you know, the, the internal team are happy with it. It doesn't do the job. Could you just, as an external, just go in, dig around and find out what's going on, right? Yeah. Just, just, you know, so it was, it was like a favor just to go in and do it. And so I went in and looked at the system, but I'm by no means am I an Oracle expert. And looking at the requirements, what was going, how it was going on. And you could see it was a classic consultancy that was just milking this project for the best they could, unfortunately. Oh, no. And then all of the features that they were asking for, I then looked at the version of Oracle that they were using for this particular software. 
And then I looked, realized that the version was out of date. And I said, well, why haven't you updated to the latest version? They said, oh, no, there's too much uh, incompatibility. We can't upgrade. But then you looked at the features of the new version, and it did everything that this company needed. Mm. So I just went back to the CTO and I said, look, you know, the next version does exactly what you want. And, you know, you may, it's up to you to make the decision, but you could effectively cancel this entire project and just, you know, buy the next version up because that's what has been done. So that's one example of where somebody hadn't been watching. The other one that I would say this is, is affecting now and is happening slowly in the background is low code. I think, you know, the ability of low code to generate applications very, very quickly is providing significant advantage for those companies that are taking advantage of it. Um, mm-hmm. The speed at which you can change is quite phenomenal to the point that I know one outfit that does low code, they don't even run agile um, methodology within the projects because it's too slow. They just huh. can develop so fast that the agile methodology breaks down for them. So they, 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 they got rid of it. It's almost like they've gone back to a waterfall because the development is so small in, in the phase of the actual development. Having used low-code myself, I can see it. I can see how fast this is. I can see what's going to happen. Um, and so if, if you came to me and wanted just an ordinary business application built, my immediate instinct will try and build it in low-code because it takes significantly longer. You know, an example, I was advising on a project recently the low code cost was around fifty thousand dollars. The mm-hmm. bog standard three tier, state of the art, um, Angular front end, Java middle, database in the back end, was a quarter of a million dollars. So it was five wow. times more expensive just to do this system. Both cost okay, so- quite details. Um, so that's that's where things like that concern me. Um, you know, and and I was involved in the business eight years ago and we were doing a particular type of data science and i just felt it was too common and that somebody like amazon and azure would come along and just knock it out and sell it for cents when we were selling it for thousands of dollars wow so um i feel tempted to just a little bit of a side bar here let's call it that uh, on the subject of low code for anybody who might not be familiar i personally have heard no code used more than low code so what do you mean by, by low code what do these solutions look like right now now i feel like i'm not up to date so I feel like some of the others watching might not be either yeah so there is there's a debate on whether you call it no code or low code personally i still think it is low code because I still think you need some sort of programming background to really understand uh-huh. and take advantage of it. There is, if you read, uh, you know, the forums or anything, you know, the people that are bashing it is because they couldn't get it to work. But it, when you look at their background, they weren't developers in the first place, so they didn't uh-huh. structure it correctly. In terms of um, what does it, what's it do? It's a drag and drop, uh, event driven type. Um, language so these these types of languages haven't been very sophisticated beforehand but they're now mm-hmm. becoming very sophisticated um to the point that you can you know if you're skilled enough you can make it look like you would have no idea that it was written in low code um and it what this means is it now basically the development cost 
of any innovation is becoming very, very low. So you can test stuff very quickly. Um, uh-huh. So, you know, we within CTO Academy, one of our platforms is a low-code platform. Um, oh. And it's also the platform that provides has provided the least amount of hassle in maintenance compared with all the other platforms we use. Um, oh. So it's it's for for those projects whereby you are not relying on you know a serious graphics, let's say, so you know games, um, or you're doing something very very particular. The low a low code is a part of it, and it's you know you're already using this sort of um, this types of frameworks already. If you use Zapier, you're already starting to use low code. You know, you're connecting one system to another system. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's where I see that you know this is going. Um, but everyone's trained up in in the old stuff, and I you know I remember getting kicked back. You know that project with the where I said it was quarter of a million and the fifty, and I was just advising on it. And the people on the who were quoting the quarter of a million tried to dismiss low code and every argument that they came back with was false they weren't educated yet enough to understand um and hadn't realized that this is in fact going on and back to this company i was talking about that provides consultancy and low code they you know speaking to the ceo he said they are denting the digital marketing agencies near them because they're just knocking the, the quotes out of the park Oh yeah, yeah, I I can imagine. Wow. Okay, so you know, I feel like we veered a little bit from the challenges we were supposed to discuss, but still, that was a very interesting side conversation. So thank you for illuminating that. I think I feel like we should talk about this more on the show when we have another occasion. Anyway, um, <laughs> for now, I thought we would we might return the discussion to the challenges. And maybe talk about challenge number two. So we talked about imposter syndrome and a lot of things related to that. And, you know, if you have watchers and listeners, if you have any additional follow-up questions to that, feel free to shoot us a comment and we'll address it. For now, can you unveil challenge number two for us? So the second one is that it's lonely at the top. That's a sort of, you know, you've reached the pinnacle of your career technically, uh, technically, and you're now into the leadership challenge. And what we found is that, that people know their stuff. They know the things, but they don't have anybody to bounce ideas off. So that if they want to do something new within their organization, they don't have anybody to to really go into the details, who really understands the technology uh, involved in it uh, and the decisions that might need to be to make that up. And so by with CTO Academy, by providing that network support, it helps alleviate that problem. Um, by being able to ask questions and being able to understand that you're, you know, the problems that you have, you know, you're not alone. You've had, you've had, you know, people have had these beforehand or had something very similar beforehand. Um, and that's, that's a really big challenge, I think, for, for, for a lot of technical leaders around the world. So I'm curious, what would you say to a CTO that is, that knows this might be helpful, but is reluctant to actually get into that because, well, there might be various reasons. I can imagine one reason being that they are not so keen on kind of opening up about their challenges 
you know, as leaders, we want to keep up this veneer of we've got everything under control. And here you kind of have to drop that to get relevant support. So what would you say to somebody who's who's on the fence like that? So I would say uh, our, the people that reach out to CTO Academy have already met, made that mental jump. They've uh -huh. already said, they've already realized that they need help. Yeah. Um, and by asking for help, there's not a sign of weakness. You know, and I think it's, it's, it's what you're doing is, is you're going out and you're gathering other ideas. It's exactly like we were talking about earlier about your team, right? You're gathering ideas. You can't solve this all on your own, particularly if it's a new idea. You know, there are challenges that you, come up against it you know you weren't expecting you know and mm -hmm. it's about so if if you're nervous about it but then dip your toe in the water you don't have to tell them everything you know yeah. you can be a you know a particular idea of you know what's going on you know the you know things that things that i've seen happen you know are things whereby somebody underneath them has bypassed them and reported something else to somebody else in the organization, possibly the CEO. I've seen that several times, right? Mm -hmm. wow. And, you know, that's not a nice situation to be in. Now, my reaction to that is, you know, you need strong leadership. You need that, that person needs to be put into that place, you know, mm -hmm. and you know, ultimately, if, you, if it doesn't get solved, then they need to move on to somewhere else because you can't have that being undermined within an organization. But, Back to your question about, you know, if you're on the fence, well, you've already, you know, by being on the fence, you already realize that you can't answer the question. Yeah. So you've got to have to go out and find that question. Now you may just go off to the internet and research it and, you know, just try and work it out yourselves. But there are people out there who've got the experience who've done it before. I see. And on the other hand, let's say you joined a community like this, you know, CTO Academy or otherwise, I imagine there you know, might be more. Are, do you have any particular tips for getting the most out of the, you know, being surrounded by your peers and actually being able to ask these questions? Is there, you know, a, a good way to ask for help if you are doing that, for example? Um, yes, I think you need to be careful about... Um, the question the questions you ask you know it's it's in sense of don't ask too many questions you know don't don't expect people to do your job you know so we you know we have a coaching arm at cto academy right and i always caveat when i'm doing coaching i always caveat it by saying look i'm not in your shoes i don't know the business i don't have your experience all you're yeah. doing is i all i'm doing is acting as a sounding board to you mm -hmm. and using my experience and how i would potentially solve that problem but ultimately, it is you that's going to make that decision. Um, yeah. So when you're dealing with any community, right, one is obviously, you know, you need to be polite. People are investing their time to respond to you. Uh, and secondly, make sure that it's a question that that is difficult, that is difficult to, to understand. Mm -hmm. um, and being um, considerate, I suppose, to, is, is what I mean by... Um, with with the community yeah definitely and i suppose it's not just about asking questions but also when you see a question that you know you have a relevant answer for don't hesitate to share that and actually invest your time right because yeah. you know so such a community can't be filled with just takers it needs to be givers too yes absolutely yeah that's a, a concept that i recently found in a, in a 
TED Talk, Givers and Takers and Matchers. Worth checking out if anybody's curious about that. But anyway, that's just a, a side note. So one last question about this before we move on to the uh, to the next and final challenge, actually. Now imagine somebody actually, you know, ignores this. So let's say, you know, it's lonely at the top and somebody, instead of reaching out to communities, decides I'm just going to stay here with my problems and not actually move against that. How would you paint the picture of the risk this person is taking and the, you know, the potential negative outcome that might come of it? So I think there's several things there. One would be, it's, have you got a closed mindset? You know, mm -hmm. um, there are certain cultures around the world, and I include the UK in this culture, whereby, you know, education finishes as soon as you leave school or university. Yeah, you don't need mm -hmm. to learn anything more. And therefore, why, why do I need to learn for everything else? I, I would question that mindset. Secondly, how are you going to improve your career? You know, if you're if you're going to stay where you are, then then is that what you want to do for the rest of your, of your career? You just be at that uh, point, and that leads on to the third point: is is if you're not driving the business forward, if you're not driving your technical organization forward, at some point, you're going to get found out right. because you're not going to improve it. You're not going to make it better, and somebody will come in, and they will they will drive it forward. They will make it better. Particularly if it's adverse, you know that that classic situation. Just on you know IT infrastructure, not upgrading your IT infrastructure, and then suddenly you now have a major project to upgrade everybody from you know Windows eight, let's say, to you know Windows eleven, and you know all the Microsoft operating systems and and Office and stuff. There's a major undertaking. Whereas if you had consistently just upgraded and spent mm -hmm. a, put a bit of the budget, right, you would have moved that organization forward. And people would like to work for that organization because, you know, you're, you're not necessarily bleeding edge, but you're keeping up to date. And I think anybody who, who thinks the status quo is good, you know, it won't be in six months time because the world does move on, particularly in what we do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, the world moves really fast. And, you know, the funny thing for me is, you know, a, a CTO that kind of stays with the status quo what might actually end up happening is that somebody like you, for example, you were talking about, you know, getting asked to have a quick look and a quick consult, and that can actually mean that, you know, that these issues get found out. But anyway, it's just a connection that I found humorous. Right. So I feel like we've, you know, uh, discussed this uh, in a lot of detail. Again, any more follow-up questions, happy to answer them, but I am mindful of the time of which we only have like 15 minutes left and we still have the third challenge to go through. So sticking with uh, you know, the structure we've got here, can you tell us about challenge number three? Can you unveil it for us and tell us about you know, uh, how to address it? Yeah, so it really fits into the other two, which is knowing what you don't know. Um, and I put this into sort of personas you know but particularly one for me at one particular time which is you know you know a particular technology and you know a market so in my case 15 years ago i knew dotnet i knew microsoft.net i knew that that was the solution that we needed to use and we were applying it in the healthcare market but i didn't know about anything else about what was going on in the world and a lot of what we educate is is around that okay it's around knowing what you don't know. And a lot of people come to us saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I know my stuff, I know my things, 
but what I don't know, I want to know what I don't know. Um, and that's the actual phrase that people use, you know, and it's, it's back to this mindset, having that open mindset of just finding out. So a lot of stuff that, you know, you pick up with things from us, you may not apply immediately, but at least it's in the back of your head so that, you know, when it does come up in a meeting mm-hmm. or a conversation, at least you've got, you know what that term means. Um, so a bit like our conversation before we got cut off about locate and no yeah. code, right? It's sitting there in the back of people's heads now that, you know, I happen to believe that it's going to be quite major in the next couple of years. So when it comes up, everybody, you know, the, the audience here will think, you know, maybe I'll, I'll, you know, it came up in a conversation, maybe I'll d- dig into it a little bit more. Yeah. You know, and that's what, you know, we're trying to solve, you know, is knowing what you don't know. Um, and I consider that to be, uh, you know, I personally find it fascinating because I love it when I find a subject where it's completely brand new to me, you know, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh my God this whole thing I've got to this age, I didn't really know about this particular thing. And then you go off and you find out about it. Um, And it's, it's, you know, understanding these different areas, these different areas of technology and understanding what they can do and then applying it back to you. But there is a caveat here, which is obviously just don't jump from one bandwagon to the next bandwagon. Don't change technology for the sake of changing technology. It's, It's looking at it and going, that will help at this phase of the project, let's say. You know, yeah. that, that's that type of thing. It, it's not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. Definitely. So you're thinking you, you need to be aware of the various solutions, sometimes even aware that maybe you're taking this trade-off by sticking with your current solution instead of the new solution. But you don't necessarily have to always pick the newest solution and keep switching and kind of incurring that cost. That's the, the way I'm, I'm reading what you mentioned here. And now I'm curious to ask then, you know, we already, we already kind of touched upon one area where it's like some tech leaders might not have known a lot about low code and now it's on their radar. Are there any particular, particular areas, particular topics or upcoming technologies where a lot of tech leaders don't know about them or don't know enough about them and they should get more educated? Um, <laughs> I mean, now that's just my, my backlog of reading list of stuff that, uh, one should know. I think, I think we, you know, things like web three and how blockchain is changing that sort of things is, you know, is it hype or is it going to actually make a difference? You know, I can't answer that question, but that's one area. Um, other things that, you know, we are going through tough economic times, most countries in the world, you know, so how's that going to affect one's business? You know, how's that going to affect hiring strategies? Or yeah. is your approach to employees going to be different going forward? Um, yeah. You know, we've, you know, we've had a period of what, 15 years of, you know, pretty much economic stability. And now we don't. Um, and so the job market might change. You know, mm-hmm. most people, it, it, for most companies, it's still holding up okay at the moment. Um, but yeah, that could, that could change. Um, just that other areas, knowing what you don't know, is uh, it came up with a conversation this morning. You know, 5G, for example. You know, it, it's a technology that's 
hasn't got a purpose just yet. You know, 4G was perfectly good enough for the majority of, of mobile phones. You know, the 5G stuff, the stuff that it was promised, hasn't benefited you know joe public at this moment in time so where is that where is that going to help what is that going to fundamentally change certain applications and how they work mm-hmm. um so you know there's lots and lots of different areas now the way that i approach learning is if there's a subject that i find interesting then i go off and find more and more information about it yeah, yeah? but i try to get to the source of the truth um which can be quite difficult you know so Obviously, you're in marketing, you you quote surveys, you know, you need to go back to that original survey and see exactly what it is. Um, yeah, definitely. To really understand where this is coming from. You know, mm-hmm. and are, you know, is one one article that's become popular misquoted, you know, this, this happens article. A lot. And now it's suddenly expanded everywhere, you know. So there's it's it's that type of approach and really understanding that subject that can be interesting yes yes i mean i feel like i feel like that bears reiterating so much of the hype is built on something that's misquoted overgeneralized people you're reading stuff on the internet check your sources just a couple weeks or maybe a month ago i saw something like there was a, um, a headline that mentioned that the younger generation, when they're looking for, um, when they're searching for something, they search more often on TikTok than they do on Google. Everybody was very agitated about that and really curious where the world is going. And only when you go into Reddit, typically, and not the first common thread, but like the seventh below, you find that actually this was for searching for ideas for lunch that people were using TikTok for more than Google. <laughs> in general, they're still using Google more. Uh, but, you know, it got over-sensationalized. People overgeneralized it, and there it went. And, you know, from the previous conversation, uh, not previous conversation, but from what you said just a moment ago, the lesson I'm getting is that you don't have to be maybe an expert on all of these new technologies, like Web3, for example, but... I think it's fair to say that you owe it to your team, to your leadership, to at least know enough to form an opinion and to know if you're, you know, setting the direction for the company uh, in terms of technology, to at least know if you're bullish or bearish on, on something, if you're thinking this is a direction worth pursuing or, or not necessarily, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And it's, and obviously it, the, the topics vary, you know, so how much information you need to about, know about it compared with yeah. other things. So it's it's how much time you want to invest in it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if you take, for example, a project that I was helping uh, a year or two ago, you know, we were looking at moving to serverless databases, you know, potentially to save money. This, this application mm-hmm. wasn't used much, right? And, you know, you needed to dig down and understand what Amazon's strategy was, in this case, it was Amazon we were using, strategy was with their serverless databases and how it would go forward before you could make a decision. Um, and, you know, if you are, if you're knowledgeable about a subject and you're passionate about that subject, you come across, you know, as authentic, you know, people will come to you again for, for more ideas, more information, you know, mm-hmm. and just 
understanding the world, understanding it better, understanding what's going on in technology. You may disagree with it, but at yeah. least you've got an understanding of it. Definitely. And the second thing that was interesting in what you said is that when you were talking about specific things to get educated on potentially, Web3 was the first one, and it's very much technology centric. But then the second one you mentioned was the recession. And that's actually not within the realm of technology you know, per se. Uh, this is something that's happening more in the markets, more in terms of the general like, economy. To me, that highlights the difference between being like a technical team lead and actually being on the executive level. You also need to look at this whole other layer of what's happening in the economy in general and how it's going to affect business in general. Yeah, I think it, it's true because you obviously need to understand what's going on in the world. I mean, that's just a thing. But if you take it with my friends who work for public quoted companies, you know, mm -hmm. and some of their shares have completely tanked, you know, particularly in the last year. You know, I've got one friend who works for an e-commerce outfit and he goes, this is madness. He said, we've got the best technology in the world. He says, I don't care. You know, it's it's not about what we sell. It's about what the platform that we've got underneath is. Right? Mm. And he says, this share is ridiculously cheap. Right Now, admittedly, that's just his point of view. But, you know, people do link, do understand it, particularly because, you know, a lot of a lot of people work in businesses whereby share options is is what part of the bonus scheme and so therefore you have to understand where your company fits into other ones and therefore the markets are important and therefore and markets obviously go in whims you know it's been up and down like a yo-yo for at least six months you yeah. know you have to understand whether it's affecting you know is it a problem with just your company so let's take adobe last week right they bought Figma and the shares tank 25% because the market doesn't believe that they bought Figma at the right price. You mm. know, I think that's an overreaction for, for a company like Adobe. Um, so that's an individual effect on a company, whereas you have the general market effect, which happened also last week, which was, you know, the expectation of inflation wasn't met by America. And so therefore the whole of the, the market fell. Um, yeah, exactly. understanding that and understanding how it affects and you know it affects you know companies it affects on their investment and how they're going to invest in the business so if you've been promised 50 more engineers in your team and your shares tank you're not going to get those 50 more engineers it's unlikely that that's going to happen yeah and we've okay. seen you know we've seen breezing of uh teams and hiring you know across the world that's the first step in it and you know being prepared for it so it's not a shock you know, it's all part of being uh, a leader. Definitely. Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And definitely you need to keep collecting all of that information and stay abreast of everything that's happening. I feel like during this session that unfortunately is, is coming to an end, we at least contributed to that. And some of the watchers and listeners are now more up to speed on what's happening. And hey, you know, the top three challenges that, you know, Jason and CTO Academy have identified uh, with, that are facing tech leaders, I do wonder about your thoughts on this, whether you face these challenges, whether you have particular proposed solutions or tactics for these. Uh, you know, If you're watching this, whether live or the recording, leave a comment below. I will be curious to read about that and I'm sure others will too, and you can help them th that way. Meanwhile, Jason, I'm sorry to say, but our time is almost up. So did you have any 
you know, first of all, of course, thank you so much for being uh, a guest and sharing what you know. It's it's really evident from the cases you mentioned and the many anecdotes that you're really you know knowledgeable on this and your expertise runs deep. So I hope we did it justice here. Now, did you have any announcements for our audience anywhere you want to direct some of this attention that we've got here? Should they click on something, follow something, anything you might want to share? Yeah, so I mean, look, if if anybody's interested in improving their leadership skills, you know, we've got two two courses out there. We've got the foundation course and we've got the digital MBA. Um, go out, go to our website, cto.academy, check them out. If you've got any questions, by all means, reach out to me personally. My email is jason at cto.academy. Um, and it'd be great for everybody to 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 join the community and improve their leadership skills. Awesome. Yeah. So pay attention. This is not Dot, it's not a dot com address, it's cto.academy. The domains are uh, interesting like that these days. Meanwhile, if any of you are meeting SDX Next or Tech Leaders Hub for the first time, so glad you joined the show, especially if you're joining for the first time. SDX Next, if anybody's wondering, logo's right behind me. Uh, we are Europe's largest software development company that specializes in Python. Basically, if you're having trouble building your product, whether it's going too slow, you're not sure which direction to take it, take it into, you want to uh, apply machine learning to the problem, you want to improve your design, improve your DevOps, and a lot other problems, we can help those problems go away with our teams of developers, engineers, designers. Uh, we have data engineers and much, much more. Just go to sdxnext.com and the uh, the content we've got there does a much better job of explaining this than me on this call right now. Meanwhile, for more Tech Leaders Hub, go to techleadershub.com. And the best thing you can really do is to just follow SDX Next on LinkedIn. This is where we stream the most. This is where you will see clips from previous conversations come up and just a lot of good tech leader content to help you upskill yourself that way and stay abreast of what's happening that way as well. Finally, and I'm going to say it for the last time on this call, TheCTOSurvey.com is where you should go to find out about what other CTOs are doing. Fill out the survey and you'll be the first to get the report. CTO Academy is actually our partner this year uh, and it was in previous years as well. Uh, super glad about that. To, but great to have your support here and certainly you know, with the help of you and other partners that we've got, for example, Scrum.org is on board as well. Uh, and leader, uh, Alvaro Moya was a guest on the show previously. With the help of our partners, I'm sure we can reach uh, you know, 1,000 CTOs filling out the survey as we reached 500 CTOs last year. And I suppose that's the end. That's the end of the announcements. And thank you so much for joining Tech Leaders Hub today, or you know, if it's the recording, then I guess not today. But thank you for joining either way. Uh, Jason, anything more to add? Any you know, final comment before we go offline? Uh, no, not really. But thank you very much for for having me on board, and I hope everyone found it interesting. Yeah, I certainly did. And I'm sure the watchers and listeners did too. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Have a nice day.